When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, the Chiefs straight up on day one to get a receiver, what the Richie James signing means for the offense, and will Brett Veach decide to go heavy on defense again this year? With Nick Schwer, I'm Kayla Canaram, and it's always game day in Kansas City. For, 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 all, things, for, for all things KC, for everything Chiefs, it's always game, it's always game day in Kansas City. Now, here's your host, Kayla Canaram and Nick Schwert. Draft season is upon us. I want to go to Kansas City. You should come. It's going to be a big party. They said that they're going to bring in like $100 million worth of revenue for Kansas City. Uh, It's the biggest event in the history of the city. What? Oh, yeah. The biggest event event in the history of Kansas City. Like, it will bring the most amount of people to this city that has ever been brought for one event. I want to go. I just... NHL playoffs are up in the air and I have no idea what my schedule is going to look like. Well, maybe if the Kings get bounced. <laughs> yeah. Cause that'll be, I think during second round, I don't know. Are they good? Are, are the Kings good this year? That is an interesting question. You asked Nick, <laughs> we were doing very well in March, fell off a little bit. The last few weeks, we had a big win. What was that? Monday night last home game will be tonight or uh regular season game. Excuse me. But the Pacific Division is so neck and neck right now. So we're going to the playoffs. We just don't know who we're playing. I think we could do well. We just need to get our players back. This is neither here nor there. My question for you is, will you be going to Kelsey Jam? No, I didn't get tickets. What? They don't give those to you? Can you get like a press pass? Dude, okay. (laughs) They don't give them to me. As if like Travis Kelsey's PR team was like, hey, make sure we set aside some tickets for the radio guys. We need to make sure we take care of them. No, they didn't give us anything. I mean, what would I need? What would they give press passes for for a concert? Well, uh, well, that's a good point. I need to go like a media credential or something. Dude, I doubt it. One of my friends here locally messaged me before it even went public. And he was like, are you going to the draft? I just got a press release or like an invite thing to Travis Kelsey's party. He said party. This was before we knew it was an actual like music festival. Mm-hmm. I go, no, but I want to go. <laughs> yeah. It, you know, turns out um, if there is a list, I'm not on it, which is oh, okay. Well, that's okay. Sad. It's going to be a busy week. We're going to be doing a lot of draft <laughs> stuff. So I'm, uh, I'm okay. I'm okay. That's true. Up. Lots more going on. Speaking of going on, we have more to talk about this week. Uh, it's been a little slow on the chief's front, but uh, things are picking up. We're weeks away from the draft. So, Nick, do you think it'll be worth it for the Chiefs to trade up for the first round and get a wide receiver? Draft experts, by the way, seem to be down on this year's wide receiver class and don't think there's as much talent at the top of the draft as we've gotten used to seeing in the past years. So should the Chiefs move up in order to get a guy they know can help the offense? You know, that's, that's the tough part about when you say helping the offense because I assume we're talking about this year. When you, get, you go through Correct. free agency... When you, when you go through free agency, a lot of times we're thinking about next year's team. We're thinking, okay, uh, that guy left, so let's get somebody to replace him. 
with the draft, it's a little bit more nuanced than that because you're drafting dudes who are 21, 22, 23 years old. So it's not always about, can you help us next year? It's, can you help us over the next five years? And if you're good over the next four or five years, then maybe we'll give you a second contract and you can help us over the next 10 years, right? That's right. always the dream with, with guys that you draft. The Chiefs' position at wide receiver kind of involves both of those things. They need help next year, but you would also like to lay the groundwork and just know that Patrick Mahomes, who's going to be here for the long haul, is going to have some young, talented receivers around him. If you're Brett Veach, that's a really, that's a hard line to walk, don't you think? Because I've always believed that, and this is maybe a very simplified, oversimplified way of looking at like front offices and NFL struct and organizational structures. But I've always kind of looked at it like it's the GM's job to position you well for the next five years. It's the head coach's job to position you well next year. Like if I'm Andy Reid, all I care about is next season. If I'm Andy mm -hmm. Reid, I don't care about two years from now. I don't care about three years from now. What can we do to make sure that we're going to be good this year? Whereas Brett Veach, like it's his job to structure this roster and to think down the line and say, okay, well, if we do this now, then what about 12 months from now when this guy's contract expires or that guy's going to want a new deal? He's always having to think a year or two down the line, but the, the wide receiver problem for the Chiefs, if you want to call it a problem, it involves both of those things. I think it's really tough to go into a draft and say, we want the best long-term prospect because some of these guys won't be ready right away. Maybe, maybe there's a guy who you think won't be the best rookie wide receiver in the class, but three years from now, he's going to be the best of the bunch. Are you okay with waiting? Are you okay waiting for a guy who's going to take some developing and going to take some time to reach his potential? Or are you purely looking at this season and saying, we got Andy Reid, we got Patrick Mahomes, we just won the Super Bowl, we need to compete for a Super Bowl again, so we need someone who can come in and help right away. I really only think there's one guy in this class that fits both of those boxes. It's Jackson Smith and Jigba out of Ohio State, and you ain't getting him at pick 31. Right. So should you trade up, giving up what would likely... I mean, that guy might be a top 15 pick, Kayla. Should you trade up, giving up what would probably be a second-round pick? So you're going to give up your top two picks to go up and get one guy who, even if he's the best player in the class, there is no certainty that he's going to be good. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was the number one running back taken in his draft class. That didn't guarantee that he was going to have a successful NFL career. So I think it's really tough. I think the asking price is not worth the return. You said it in your question. This isn't a great draft class compared to last year or the past three years. And so once you get past that first, why? I mean, Jackson Smith and Jigba, I think, is the real deal. Once you get past him, there's just a lot of question marks at the receiver position. So you're either giving up this massive haul, maybe a first round pick and a day two pick to move up and get a guy. If you're moving up to pick 17 or 18, you're not getting him. You're maybe getting Zay Flowers or Jordan Addison or Quentin Johnston. Those guys aren't, those guys have a lot of question marks in their game. And I'm just not sure they're the types of players that you trade up for. So 
it sounds great in theory. If you could guarantee me that they go get their guy, then yeah, I would be all for it. But you got to think about the flip side of it too. What do you lose out on by trading up? Because you still need a defensive end. You'd still like to add to the offensive line. You'd like to, you know, replace Colin Saunders, get another defensive tackle. You have a lot of needs, maybe not inherent needs to compete, but just needs to have a complete roster or as complete of a roster as you had last year. And I'm just not sure you want to give up those assets to go up and get something that's not a sure thing. Do you think, just to clarify, do you think Jackson is the top wide receiver in this class or the one that would fit the Chiefs the best? Both. He is... So I've heard a lot of comps, like doing the player comps. I've heard Julian Edelman a lot with Ooh. Jackson Smith and Jigba. Just like he's not, so he's not a burner. He's not somebody who just has that breakaway speed on the outside. He's not super big. I think he's about 5'11". But that's, I mean, that there's plenty of receivers in the NFL who are 5'11". And six, like Stephon Diggs, Devontae Adams, like these guys are 5'11". They're mm-hmm. some of the best players at their position. But he is a silky smooth route runner. He creates separation. We've talked about this on on this podcast. To play receiver in Andy Reid's offense, you either have to have that breakaway speed downfield like Tyreek Hill had, like Nicole Hardman had, like Marquez Valdez-Scantling has, or you need to be really good at creating separation, which you usually do by just your spatial awareness, which is why Travis Kelsey is so great or just being like an incredible route runner. The reason why Tyree killed turned into one of the best receivers in the NFL is because he could do both. He had the breakaway speed and he was an insane route runner and he just knew how to separate from defenders. That's kind of what Jackson Smith and Jigba is. He, he doesn't have the speed, but he has the route running. He has the ability to find the soft spots in the zone and just get open across the middle of the field. So he's not somebody who's going to have a lot of big plays downfield, but I just think he's a chain mover. And at this point, that's what this team needs. That's what that's what uh, Juju was. Like Juju wasn't a guy who was put, you know, breaking the top off the defense, but he was really right. good across the middle with the ball in his hands, yards after the catch, picking up first downs. That's what you're looking for. If you can get open, Patrick Mahomes is going to get you the ball. He is the best player at getting open of any receiver in this class. I don't know where I'm at on this. Not to sound like a broken record, but I have all the faith in the world in Brett Veach. So I know whatever they do, I'm going to be okay with it and be behind it. But yeah, do we have enough at wide receiver to pass in the draft? That's the thing. I think that's the big. I don't want to get ahead of myself for the next question, but. Well, that's the big conundrum. It's if you're on the side of saying, no, don't trade up, just sit there at 31. Okay, well, let's say you get to pick. Because what these teams will do, Kayla, is they don't just rank every player one through 600. They're going to give first-round grades to certain players. And that number may be 15. It may be 24. But let's say there are five receivers who you give first-round grades to. Well, if... Five of, or four of them are gone, but yet, the, you know, if the if the re- last receiver that you gave a first round grade to that's still on the board at pick thirty one, let's say you have him ranked twenty seventh. Well, what if there's another player at a different position, one that you need 
edge rusher, offensive tackle, who's ranked much higher than receiver, than that receiver? What if he's ranked 13th on your board? Okay, well then take the better player, right? You need Mm -hmm. them both. He's the better player. Well, now all of a sudden you're waiting to round two and maybe at the end of round two, you don't have the option of picking any of the receivers you gave round two grades to. So if you keep kicking the can down the road, you're just limiting your chances of being able to get a guy who you think can be a difference maker for you. So it's really, really tough. Like it's tough, but like these are also first world problems. (laughs) I mean, the the chiefs aren't here because they did anything wrong. The chiefs are in this position because they won the super bowl. And when you have the super bowl, correct. Turns out they don't give you really high draft selections. So this is where having a really good GM comes in handy. And specifically one who can assess where the pockets of value are at in the draft, because that's what he's going to look at. He's going to go in with his list of priorities and say, okay, wide receiver, pass rusher, offensive lineman. Okay. How strong are each of these positions in the class? Where are the val? Where's the value at? Is there any value at picking a wide receiver at 31 or is there not much of a gap between the guys available at 31 and the guys available at 63 when we make our second round pick? That's what you have to kind of decide. It's tough because I really want a diff- I really want them to add a real dude at wide receiver. And I just keep looking at all the receivers in this class and I'm just like, I, I don't see it. Like Christian Watson, who the Packers took in, uh, the, I think it was the, f- the, l- the first pick of the second round, it was like two picks after the chiefs took uh, George Karloftis. If he were in this draft class, there's no way the chiefs would pass on him at pick 31. There's no, no way he would probably Kayla. He would probably be the second or third best receiver in this class. Okay. Sky Moore might be a fringe. I mean, he was a fringe first round pick last year. Sky Moore might be like a top five receiver in this class. Seriously. It's just a down year. Crazy. It's a That's the tough, tough part. It's a bad year to need a wide receiver. <laughs> at pick 31. Like it is just not it, the board. I just don't think is going to fall in the chief's favor, which is why if you're, if you're someone who believes in, you know, making your own luck, then that would be the biggest, I think, argument for wanting the Chiefs to move up and go get a receiver. Okay. Quick question for you, since we talked about this at length. Um, OBJ to the Ravens, your thoughts? Because we thought for a second he could come to the Chiefs. Well, at that price tag, <laughs> I know why the Chiefs were out. Yeah. And you know what? Kudos to uh, Odell Beckham Jr. and his agent for getting that deal because I don't think there's another team that was willing to pay this man potentially $18 million when he hasn't played for a full season. Listen, I was interested in Odell Beckham Jr. We talked about him. I still think he's got gas in the tank. I still think he has... I think he can be a difference maker and I think he could have fit in nicely with the chiefs, but they clearly were not willing to spend and they don't spend on guys that they don't think are worth it. And it doesn't matter what level we're at. It doesn't matter if we're talking about Orlando Brown jr. Wanting $20 million a year 
or Juju Smith-Schuster wanting $11 million a year or anything in between. They're not going to pay above what they think the value that you're going to bring to the table is. And that's a good, that, that's how any business in America, any business in the world, it would be wise to operate from. This is what we think it's worth. This is what we're willing to pay. There's not a lot of flexibility there. Kudos to Odell Beckham Jr. for getting his paycheck, but $18 million for a guy who hasn't played a full season a full season where he was a difference maker in what, five years? Yep. I mean, how often do guys like that come back and then they're great? Great point. <laughs> how, often guys, how often are guys like riddled with injuries for five years and then they come back and they're just as good as they'd ever been? Doesn't happen very often, which is why I was like, okay, you want to you want to uh, take a flyer on him at $10 million? I'm all about it. 15, just, $18 million? I don't think so. Yeah, I did not see the Ravens coming. They were not on my bingo card for his landing spots, but I didn't either. He was that. That wasn't really a team that was rumored to be in on him. It was all about the Bills. It was all about you know, the Cowboys being thrown out there. The Cowboys were being back to the Rams. Yeah, that was a little bit of a surprising one. Okay, well, with all of this in mind, the Chiefs signed Richie James last week. He's coming off a career season with the New York Giants. Nick, what kind of role does he fill for the Chiefs offense? Well, I think at initial look, he seems to be a not a one-for-one replacement for Nicole Hardman, but in terms of usage, in terms of snaps, I think that that's kind of how I'm viewing Richie James. He's not going to be your number three receiver i guess if in a in a bizarro world where the chiefs did absolutely nothing else at receiver this offseason which is a scary thought um you know he would maybe be like your number three or number four but that's what he he is a he's a depth guy right he's someone who you know there will be games where maybe he has to fill in and be the starting slot receiver but most of the time like he is the mccall hardman he is the justin watson now i don't think he's exactly that i mean he ran a, i think it was a 448 at the combine now that would have been four years ago yeah he was drafted by the niners in 2018 but he is just sort of a um a, a kind of a quick twitch he's got some suddenness to him like he's just a shifty guy that i think andy reed will love to employ across the middle of the field underneath move him around in the backfield, the misdirection stuff they love to do. He's just another another piece that they can use offensively. I don't think this is really much of a, of a game changer, but he is coming off a career season with New York. And I'll be honest, like the numbers were pretty impressive when you look at his last year, mind you, with Daniel Jones throwing to him. Now, now he didn't have a lot of competition because that receiver room in New York was pretty thin. It was like him and Isaiah Hodgins. But nonetheless, like you go 57 catches, 569 yards, four touchdowns, again, in a rushing offense with a rushing quarterback whose name is Daniel Jones. This is kind of, this is the Brett Beach specialty. This is the Andy Reid specialty of they don't want him coming off a career year. Maybe let's get him right as he's entering what could be the prime of his career. We're just going to be taking all of the 
Giants wide receivers before we know it. Mm-hmm. Um, does this move then make you think to answer going back to the first question that we won't take a wide receiver or at least trade no. up for one? No, they need depth. Yeah, I mean, think about it. You lost, you lost about twelve hundred yards of production. Ooh, in your passing game last year. Now, that's not to say that the guys who aren't already there, like I expect Kadarius Tony to take some of that. I expect Sky Moore to take some of that. And in fact, I expect them to both of those guys to improve considerably. But if you were just to tell me that a new addition is going to have to take three to 400 yards. Like that's the Justin Watson role. Now Justin Watson was more of a downfield threat. Like Justin Watson was an athlete. He was a speedster. Like he could kind of, he made a lot of big plays, a lot of circus catches down the field. I don't think Richie James is that like, he is more of that quick twitch slot receiver across the middle, like just creating separation. That's that. That's why I say he reminds me a little bit of McColl because that's kind of how, McColl's role evolved over the years. So I don't think it's going to change anything because at this point, that still only makes it four receivers on the roster. And knowing it at the che- unless you're going out and getting a dude like DeAndre Hopkins, like you still need to add depth to that room. So I still expect them to add at least one more, but I would honestly, I think they're going to go in with six guys expecting to carry six receivers on the active roster next year. I just still can't decide if it's going to be a draft pick or if we'll eventually trade for someone, a big name. They have to draft someone, even if it's not in the first round. They can't go through this draft without adding any receivers. That would be shocking to me if they just didn't add any receivers in the draft. You have 10 picks. You can't spend one of them on a wide receiver. That's true. Just give me one. Got to come out of it with one. That's all I ask. And make sure it's a a matter of which round. Yeah. Make it a really, really good receiver too. That's my, those are my only two asks. Are you still concerned at this position? Mm, Cause yeah, nothing's really changed since we last talked about it. (laughs) I think I can feel this inner, like this war going on inside my head. Like the devil's on one shoulder and the angels on the other shoulder. Saying like, no, 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 we'll be fine. They'll be fine. They'll figure it out. They'll figure it out. Because they will. That's the truth. We always do. That's what's so, yeah, about this team. But I'll tell you what's concerning me is if you got Brett Veach alone in a room right now, I think he would admit to you like, yeah, this isn't exactly going how we drew it up. This isn't exactly how we thought the offseason was going to play out. I think they thought they were going to get Juju. And then if they weren't going to get Juju, I think they probably thought they were going to get somebody else. Maybe that was Odell Beckham Jr. Maybe that's still DeAndre Hopkins. I don't know. And if tomorrow we wake up and realize that the Chiefs just traded for DeAndre Hopkins, then a lot of my concerns will go away. But I think that's the only part that is a little bit concerning is just anytime you know that this isn't going how they thought it was going to go, I just hope that whatever you're thinking, whatever you're concocting right now, like I hope this next plan works because the first plan just didn't happen. And that's, I mean, that's life. That's the NFL. Like you're not always going to get everything you want. I'm still not over the juju thing in case you were wondering. Really? Still? I just, yeah, I mean, I'm bummed. I get it, but I would, I would personally feel better if we had like a 
seasoned vet within the group. Yeah, that's the only part. You know what? That's I never really thought much about that. Like, who's the leader in that receiver room? MVS. It, it is. It's MVS. Yeah. Which I, I don't know, like, what his leadership style is. But you know what? Juju said at camp last year that he was the leader of the wide receiver room because he had the most experience, even though he's, like, 24. And I was like, what? <laughs> 25. What is going on? So it's a young group regardless. But just, like, yeah, a name that we know is going to be reliable. Okay, well, we've harped a lot on the offense, but the Chiefs went all in on defense in last year's draft. Seven of their 10 draft picks in 2022 were defensive players, and three of their picks in the first two rounds were spent on defenders. Nick, can you see them taking a similar approach in this year's draft? If we came out of this draft and you told me that five or more of the players were on defense, I wouldn't be surprised, but it's more about are you spending your value picks? on defensive players like last year you had two first round picks they were both defensive players you had two second round picks one of them was a defensive player brian cook was at the very end of the second round leo chanel into the third round linebacker joshua williams into the fourth round cornerback so it's it's not just the sheer number but it's your most valuable picks were spent on defensive players. It wouldn't shock me to see them go edge rusher in the first round. Like if they say, okay, we don't love the wide receivers here. We think there's better value in the second round. We need to get a pass rusher. It wouldn't shock me to see them take, you know, Felix and Utica Uzama out of K-State or uh, Keon White out of Georgia Tech, whoever you like. But if they didn't take, I mean, if they went defense first and second round, I'd be a little surprised because you only have two picks in the top 92. I mean, your third pick is, is pick 93. So like, are you going to wait all the way to pick 93 to take an, to take a wide receiver or to take an offensive tackle? I do think this, like one of the, one of the positions that you think is a prior should be a priority for the chiefs. They're not going to address it the way we think they should. Because we How always so? go in, well, because we we always go into the draft thinking, okay, wide positions of need, wide receiver, edge rusher, offensive tackle. So first round, second round, third round needs to be some combination of those three picks. So let's say you wanted to go right in that or first round, we'll take a wide receiver, second round, we'll take a pass rusher, third round, a left tackle or right tackle. Or maybe you'll say, no, edge rusher, first round, right tackle, second round, wide receiver, third round. I'm telling you, it's not going to work like that because the boards, the, the, the draft's just not going to fall perfectly into the Chiefs' lap. Like, yeah, maybe there's a one in 10 chance that that does happen, but there's probably just as good of a chance that they'll get to the end of the first round and say, okay, we'll take an edge rusher here. We'll take our wide receiver in the second round. And then you get to the end of the second round and all the wide receivers you liked are gone. So do you add a, a wide receiver that you don't like or you don't think is going to be good? No, you take a, a right tackle. And then maybe you get to third, the third round and you say, okay, well, we hate all these wide receivers too. So like th those sorts of things, I think just happen on draft day. And that's why these teams, you know, they're doing mock drafts. They call them simulations, but they're trying to figure out all the different scenarios that could possibly play out so that they have a plan regardless of what happens. 
And I'm sure there is like a break glass in case of emergency plan of like, hey, what if we think this guy's going to be here and he's not? And then we think those guys are going to be there in the second round and they're not. And there's a chance they're going to say, okay, well, I mean, hey, we may get through the first three rounds and we don't have an offensive tackle because it just never really worked out like that. And I think that happens to a lot of teams every single year. You think it's all, oh, you got this perfect plan. We're going to wait till this round and then we'll get him and because we think he's a sleeper, but then somebody else grabs him. But the beautiful thing is, if I'm just looking at the last couple of years, Kayla, it does seem like things have just kind of fallen in place for the Chiefs. I think that's in part because of their infrastructure, right? Guys like yeah. guys like uh, you know Jalen Watson and Isaiah Pacheco probably aren't having success with all 32 teams in the NFL. So Correct. it's not always about like, hey, this is the best scouting department. It's like, no, it's the best organization. So they have created an environment where guys can come in and succeed right away. But boom, you said, I, I, yeah, I do. I do think though, there's a chance that like, we're going to get to the draft day and say, oh, I'm surprised that they didn't go after this position or that position. They probably tried to, it just didn't happen. By the way, we're exactly two weeks out when this podcast will be released. The That's two week right. countdown is on. Um, on. I know we talked about this, like right after the Super Bowl. Um, now that we're kind of like, have made some moves in free agency where what is your where do you still see our biggest need in the draft it's definitely wide receiver okay and the biggest need is one of the weakest positions in the draft and that yep. sucks that's great for us uh, <laughs> not it's i mean you know what it is too kayla it's i am getting i heard somebody say this the other day i'm gonna steal it i heard somebody say i'm getting small receiver fatigue because I look at this draft class and it, I just, every single receiver I go through, it's just 5'8", 180 pounds, 5'9", 170 pounds, 5'8", 185. Like, is there anybody? Small guys. Over, it's all small guys. And listen, those guys can make it in the NFL, but not on the outside like not going up against other teams, number one corners, those guys are few and far between. Like the dudes that small who make it consistently in the NFL, you got, you have to have one. Okay. Well, if you don't have the size and strength, what do you have? You have to have everything else. That's why Tyreek Hill works. I was going to say Tyreek small, but dang, and dude, he's fast. by the way, he's fast. He's strong. Like he's so, he's so like compact and strong and he's an elite route runner he wins jump balls like that's the thing about Tyreek remember how many times he would he would jump up and win jump balls yes guys his size don't usually do that also you have to think about like hey you're gonna get hit a lot so Tyreek got hit what he always do pop back up you weigh 180 pounds <laughs> how's it gonna feel when you get crushed coming across the middle NFL, I mean, NFL cornerbacks, Kayla, they're like the best ones are six foot, six one, six two. They're long, they're rangy. They are going to shut you down. So you better be really good at getting open because you're not going to win a lot of contested catches against cornerbacks. So there are some guys in this class that I think will overcome that because they're just like that talented, like Zay Flowers out of Boston College. Probably going to be a first round pick. He is, I, I want to say he's five nine like 180 pounds, 185 pounds, but he's so lightning fast. Mm -hmm. And he, he's just like moves with this suddenness that it's like, 
he puts defenders on their heels because they're constantly trying to anticipate what he does. That kind of stuff can work. But if you're going to be small, you better be really good at something else. And I look at this draft class and I see a bunch of dudes that are small and also like they're not super fast. And then they went to the combine, like Jordan Addison, your boy. He's your boy because he's from your neck of the woods. He went to USC. Um, so he's your boy. Oh, I was like, is he from Missouri? Where is this? Oh, he's okay. from USC. Oh, okay. And he was, he's like five nine, he's like five ten. And then he went to the combine and he ran a four five five forty. And I go, okay. Like it's not not that fast. And then he did the uh, agility drills. And he didn't do well at those either. And I said, you're not that shifty. So and he's like, well, he's a good route runner. I'm like, yeah, but, but everybody in the NFL is good. Like, <laughs> that's great that you dominated in college. But in the NFL, it's, it's a new level. where What do you hang your hat on? Mm-hmm. You can't just be like kind of good at stuff. You can if you have an elite trait. Like, I know one thing this guy brings to the table. I know one thing this guy does that will translate to the next level. And that's like this, this receiver class is just full of dudes where I'm just kind of like, Hmm, I don't know. I don't know if this guy's going to make it. And then like my gut tells me, well, some of them will. And I'm like, "Uh, there have been some years. There have been some years. You ever see those graphics that like somebody will put up on ESPN or sports center bleacher report. And it will, just be a picture of the top 10 from a draft class from 10 years ago. I saw one the other day. It was the 2013 <laughs> class where the chiefs went Eric Fisher in the top 10. Oh. It was him and a bunch of dudes that we never heard from again. Besides Isn't Lane it crazy. There are some years where the draft class is just weak. And I feel like that might be the case with this wide receiver class. Goody. Can't wait. Does that get you excited? Yeah. <laughs> Two weeks. I will not panic until all is said and done. Well, what will happen is they'll take a wide receiver and then we'll hear Veach talk about him in the press conference right after. And he'll say, we loved this guy. We watched, he just turned on his tape. You know, we thought he was the best receiver in the class. And we were thrilled when he fell to us at 31. (laughs) We're all going to get fired up again. We'll say, hell yeah. That's right, baby. He sees something we don't. Mm-hmm. I will be fully bought in at that point. Yeah, me too. Me too. I know how it goes. <laughs> Do it all the time. Yep. Um. Well, Nick, also really quickly, how much barbecue do we think is going to be consumed during draft week? By it's gonna be a good week. It's going to be a good week for food consumption. <laughs> good for BBQ sales. Yep. Yep. It's going to be a good week for food consumption in Kansas City. Well, we need to get all the inside info from you in the coming weeks. I'll be on the ground. You're, you're a boots on the I'll ground. I got you. I got you. Love it. Okay. Well, that is going to do it for us today. He is Nick Schwartz. I'm Kayla Canaram. This is It's Always Game Day in Kansas City. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. And shoot us an email at gamedaykc at gmail.com. We'd love to talk to you. Uh, And with that, we will talk to you all soon. Have a good one. Bye.